and welcome to another episode of But Have You Heard About? I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm joined again by my friend, Trisha. I'm back. From outer space. <laughs> I mean, we are talking about some space-esque sounding things. We're talking about time, time balls. Oh my gosh. Are we in harmony? No. no. <laughs> so we're talking about time balls because as it being the new year, many people, for whatever the fucking reason, decide to stay up and watch the ball drop uh-huh. in New Year's Eve. Where did this whole idea of the ball come from? It's such a weird conception. You're like, it doesn't feel weird because we're so indoctrinated with this. But yeah, today we decided to find out why is there a ball? Why does it fall? So <laughs> the ball itself, like New Year's Eve um, in Times Square has happened since 1907 and has had some sort of ball drop with lights every year, but two years where they had the dim out during World War II, which was 1942 and 43. And... Basically, they went to go ring in the year at a church instead in New York, which seems kind of weird. I'm like, how's everybody going to a church in New York City in 1940s? But, you know, I guess everybody was fighting for World War II, so, like, half the city is probably gone. Well, we uh, realized that this was, you know, not an original American invention, as they want you to believe. We went back, back in time. We passed Greenwich, which used the time balls for maritime navigation, we went all the way back to ancient Greeks. At this point, it wasn't called the time ball, but it originated in the city of Gaza. And time ball stations set the clocks according to transit observation. So we're looking up in space because that's, you know, the best clock that we've got is also, the star positions. Yeah. And let's not confuse time balls with space balls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Space balls is, is much cooler and more important than time balls. But... The thing is, is that time balls are needed because it has to do with navigation and it's there for sailors. So you had these buildings. I wouldn't, they're like, they're not near lighthouses. They're different than lighthouses. But, but I feel it. I feel it. It's, it's very similar. Yeah. And it's a needed thing. So you have these big buildings, these tall ass buildings, and they have, what's those tall things? It's like a spire. Like a spire. Yeah. Not like a, it's a spire. But at the bottom or at the top of the spire... This giant ball. And it's in daylight, you know, because lighthouses are important to not crash into everything. But we got to know what time it is so we get these deliveries on time and we don't lose our job as a trader. Well, yeah. And to navigate the seas because using time would help with like the longitude, I think it's longitude for maps and shit. Like I don't, look, I think that that was ninth grade world geography. We were supposed to learn some stuff about how people did this. And honestly, it was a fails, fail thing in the fact that I would not have been a sea person. I would not have been a pirate or a sailor. I agree. Yeah. Not selling it to me. No. Like, if I was around in the 1800s, 1600s when they were doing this shit, I, 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 would, have, I would have preferred to be, I guess, a teacher. Like, they got to treat kids like shit. In the, <laughs> and I mean, I like That's kids and I motivation. treat them really. And I, and I like, I coach kids. Sometimes. And I, I feel like I do a great job because it's, but I'm like, yeah, if like any, any job back then, yeah, teacher, but they didn't have very many women teachers. Cause it was like, you could be a teacher till you were married. Yeah. I don't think you'd want to be a salty woman on this high seas probably no. this point. So back, to, back at hand time balls. Like where did this whole like notion of these balls, <laughs> but and um, why are they dropping? Yeah, because it was the easiest mechanism, I guess, at that point. I would assume that, that they, they put a ball on a spire on top of something tall, and they drop these at the same time every day. It says in here 1 o'clock. Who knows? Yeah. But when you're on your ship and you're out at sea and you see the ball fall, you're like, oh, it must be 1 o'clock. I better 
check my clock and make sure it hasn't gotten way out of control. So these, like the sailors would know for, you know, their positions and whatnot, if they're going near a harbor, because you're not near, like if you're sailing, you're most likely not near a harbor, but then that at least helps you. Like if you're sailing anywhere along those European, between Europe and Africa, and even into like the Mediterranean area, you should, there should be a whole bunch of harbors, like point points of like, what are those things called? Ports? Ports. Not points. Ports. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm at today. Like the delicious drink. Yeah. So ports. you have ports um, and you would see those balls. Like that's where they, yeah. and they look so like, if you look at a photo, it looks like some pretty, like as Trisha and I were talking before about like, it's kind of like religious architecture. Yeah. I, this, and and I, that's what I loved about this is I thought that all of these old historical buildings that they look like they're churches. And this whole time, those aren't crosses that you're seeing on all of these buildings. It's a spire with a cross beam above where the ball is. And at the end of the cross beam, you can see that they're tethered to the structure. And from a distance, it looks like a big cross with a ball in the center. But that's not what these are. And I love it. And, you know, as time progressed, people probably slapped a bunch of uh, antennas on these things. But um, but that that's where this came from. And, and they were usually large, giant red balls. And it says that following the introduction of the electric telegraph in the 1850s, they started doing these um, remotely. So I'm impressed with the technology. Yeah. I think at one point, 150 or so public time balls um, were believed to have actually been installed after the success at Grin- Greenwich for helping the navigation stuff. So 1800s, you're having this... And obviously we don't need it anymore, right? Like we have better navigational systems. We have better communications and radios and and that stuff. However, it is a tradition, especially in like naval cities, um, places like the United States Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C., where the time ball descends from a flagpole at noon each day. And of course, we have the once a year Times Square time ball that drops. And I, you know, as most white people do... They do claim that they invented this, even though, as we explained before, the Greeks were onto this way before white people in England. But apparently in 1829, a guy named Robert Watchup decided that because he was a captain in the Royal Navy, he was going to slap one up in England. And so he is supposedly the inventor of this. Probably we can call him the modern day inventor. Oh, all right. Uh, but in 1833, shortly thereafter, Greenwich started their main time ball, the time ball, which all other time balls were set to buy. Yeah. And it says since then that they still drop it at 1 p.m. every day. Yep. Start at noon to get there by 1. Yeah. And then you know you're late for lunch. Yeah. I but mean, the United States Navy uh, established one in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and the first American time ball went to service in 1845. So that's where that's where we start our story for Times Square. Yeah. So still, still talking about time balls. There's still 60 time balls that are standing around the world. While many of them may are not maybe in fully operational function, they may not even be on time. They're more of, I would say, just kind of, you know, an ode to a now obsolete part of history and technology. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's still a cool thing knowing that this was, you know, this is how you got the time ball dropping on New Year's Eve was because of Sailors needing to know the time for their longitudinal coordinates. So now we've talked about time balls. Let's talk about the actual Times Square, New Year's Eve. The most famous balls of them all. 
the most famous ball. Just one. <laughs> they only got one. Okay? Well, they had many through the years. They did. They They're had. probably somewhere in someone's shed. You know, they have to be. Like, you have to think about this, like, with so much, like, garage history type of stuff, like, where people find, like... Oh, man, I would buy the shit out of that, but I bet it's as big as your damn car. And the thing Maybe is... Maybe bigger. But also, like, do you think people, like... I think there's, I think there's at least one in someone's like fucking. I feel like that's barn. a museum piece. Yeah, but it's, it's probably in someone's barn. That's a pretty cool thing to say that you have. Yeah. So again, it started in 1907. Organizers haven't seen the ball in the Western Union building, so they saw this shit on the on the building, and they're like, "We could totally do that and get some people here." And then they thought, "Well, 60 seconds, we could maybe time it." Yeah. First version. Somebody in New York that had the power to do so said, Hey, the Western union building has this time ball that drops and let's light one up and do it for 60 seconds before midnight. So that's kind of a wild idea, but it sticks with them coordinating the public on a set time. So talking about the famous ball, the first new year's Eve ball was made of iron and wood and was adorned with 125 watt light bulbs or was adorned with 100 bulbs that were 25 watt it was a diameter of five feet and weighed about 700 fucking pounds. Oh, okay. So that's a reasonable size, but it is, <sighs> she's a big girl. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. Like that's like that's some strong steel. man stuff you got to pull. It was as American as it sounds. It was built by a young immigrant metal worker named Jacob Starr. And for most of the 20th century, the company he founded sign maker, our craft Strauss was responsible for lowering the ball. Excellent. I love the name. It's a good one. But then the musicians came in later. So yeah. the first organizer was Adolph Oakes. He owned the New York Times newspaper. So yeah, you know, men with money and power. I mean, the New York Times has been around forever, so it makes sense to have somebody from there. And they were already doing the fireworks on top of the building anyway. Yeah, because so. they had started having some celebratory moments for New Year's Eve, starting like nine, in the, like a couple years before, like 1903 or so. And it, But it became more symbolic and more organized. Once you had the ball dropping. And I love the idea of like once they, they didn't even think at this point we're going to be on TV at some point, re-aired yeah. to sync everybody's clock. Like the only people who could see this were the people that could get there and see it live. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that they weren't using that to sync the entire U.S. But at some point, that's what it became. I mean, just a few years later. In 1920, a 400-pound ball made entirely of wrought iron replaced the original. In 1955, the iron ball was replaced with an aluminum ball weighing a mere 150 pounds. The aluminum ball remained unchanged until the 1980s, which is pretty cool. And it was changed in the 1980s when red light bulbs and the addition of a Mm -hmm. green stem converted the ball into an apple for the I Love New York marketing campaign, um, which... They used for seven years. I don't remember this, even though I was alive and I probably did watch this as a child. But, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, they only did it for like seven years to celebrate again the I Love New York campaign. And then they didn't love it anymore? Well, (laughs) New York was trying to go through that, you know, trying not to be full of strippers and hookers and drugs. That's a shame. Well, not strippers, but definitely the hookers and the drugs. The Marion Barry came in in the 80s yeah. and was like, let's embrace this. Yeah, but like the 70s in New York was pretty bad. Disco in New York. Like, if you, uh-huh. you go back and you look at like, you know, well, Studio 54. No account for taste. <laughs> First off, disco is amazing music. Mm-hmm. You sit over there with your dirty mouth. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me take a drink. So after seven years of having this green and red monstrosity, they went ahead and went back to the white ball. Or the white lights you know, or whatever. I feel like it's when they changed Coke and people were like, you know, this ball, we get it, but can we please have our old ball back? 
Yeah, they just wanted all they did was change the lights. That was the whole thing. But still, a giant red glowing ball drop. Like maybe that's a little much for people. You know, I think after a while you get the whole. Oh yeah, I love New York. Mm-hmm. Now show me something cool. I'm gonna go on rainbow, but you know. Well, they do go with like a little bit multicolored later on with LEDs. Flash. So after 1988, they go back to like the all white. In 1995, the ball was upgraded with aluminum skin, rhinestones, skin. strobes, and computer controls. <gasps> they bedazzled it. But that aluminum ball was lowered for the last time in 1998. So only three years. And it lives somewhere. Somewhere. For Times Square is 2000, so 99 going into 2000. The Millennium Celebration. Oh, yeah, you had to rock it for Y2K. Yes. Exactly. It was complete. Like, the ball itself was completely We were expecting it to go out. Yeah, I didn't expect. And the whole world blacked out, so. Yeah, so F that shit. Just go go balls the wall. Instead, we just all blacked out. So it was redesigned by Waterford Crystal and Philips Lighting. Mm. The crystal ball combined the latest in lighting technology with the most traditional of materials. It was kind of used as like a euphemism to be like, look into the new millennium. And now I'm like, we got fucking COVID. I'd like to go back. (laughs) That's true. Like, I'd like to go back to the 90s. We, We like to call those the good old days. Like, I like 90s rap better than, like, today's rap. But anyways, so a few years later in 2007, um, for what would be the 100th anniversary, True. The, they were like, look, we got to, like, you know, go. Go big or go home. Exactly. Um, and so they used a new LED crystal ball. And they got on. Yeah, they got on board. They heard my rainbow shout out. They did. I mean, you probably remember this because this was, what, 2007? That's not that many oh. fucking years ago. 15 years ago? I, oh, I think I was, me. I think that I was, me. I think I actually watched it then maybe, but also like my ass is always goes to better. It doesn't matter. Aww. But anyways, you had those like different color brightness, literally rainbow fun times. I love it. The more modern one is no longer rainbow, however. Yeah. It reminds me of Epcot, but it's blue and green. Yeah. So they got rid of um, like the idea of replacing the ball or taking it down and they now make it a year round attraction. So you can actually go see it. Versus, you know, only being able to see it probably like toward the end of December. So now it's a tourist attraction. It's yes. Up. And the climax of the festivities of the drop itself, which begins obviously at 11.59 p.m. Eastern, they drop it using a button inside a special control room with one time square synchronized to the National Institute of Standards and Tech time signal. So right back to our, our reason that we had time balls in the first place. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's like we did a whole circle. Of a ball. Oh my gosh, we did a ball of knowledge. Yay. <laughs> it's not actually been dropped by a, a human being since 1996. It has been a robot takeover since that point. But anyways, that's basically the history of time balls. And now you know. And now, now you know, know about, about time balls. And why they fall. And who claimed to invent this? So now it's turned into let's let's have concerts and announcers and the fireworks and the craziness. But it's still a way that from home you can look around the clocks in your house at midnight and go, this none of these match. Yeah. Let's go set my clocks correctly. That's I'm instead of making out with someone at midnight, you should do that. Yeah. You know, get it's your COVID. life in order. Yeah. I mean, what happens if tech phone technology goes off? How your phone is <laughs> calibrated to that. I mean, like a lot of people have been there to like quote unquote count down. They're not the ones obviously pushing the damn button for the minute. Oh, yeah, it's all fake. Don't, don't yeah. buy that. Don't buy into that. Like, a celebrity is not in control of when it's officially midnight. They just happen to be there. Yeah, it's ceremoniously activated. 
Yeah. Fake, fake. But they do have, you know, a lot of celebrities as well as, you know, just famous people in the U.S. have been ones who wish, you know, well wishes into the new year. And the fact that it's New York City that gets to be like the first one, they have balls that drop in freaking London. Nobody cares. Yeah. Well, that's been it for this episode of But Have You Heard About? This is Courtney. I was today with Trisha. And we hope you have a fabulous rest of your day. And happy new year. Bye.